You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, good morning and welcome to Trace. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody feeling okay? Everybody good? Everybody good? Glad to be here. Hey, I'm going to get all liturgical on you this morning, go old school. If you would, would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to read from God's word. And uh, we're going to read this. It's going to be a foundational verse that we'll kind of pivot off of this morning. And so let's read this. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know much how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Make sure you remember that for later. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows. Make sure you hold on to that later. It grows more perfect. <clears throat> so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus. Hold on to that for later. We live like Jesus here in this world. So love, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we, I'm sorry, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us First, If I were to sum up all of that passage in one statement, it would be this right here. Letting love lead us is how we live like Jesus. You can have a seat. Thanks for doing that for me. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Trace. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us, especially if you're a guest uh, with us today. We're pumped that you're here and you're a part of this. Also, for those that will be watching online, thanks for joining the conversation via the internet uh, we're concluding a series that we've been, over, been in over the last several weeks here at Trace today. It's called 2020 Vision, and we kicked off this series, uh, and again, the whole idea behind this series, really, was to make sure that we're focusing on things that we should be focusing on as we kick off a new year, that we're seeing things with clarity that we need to make sure that we're seeing with clarity. And so we kicked off this series several weeks ago by looking at our faith, and we talked about how drift happens. Everybody say, drift happens. Drift happens. It happens to all of us. It happens to the best of us, where we drift away from where we know God wants us in our life. And so we talked about how we could make our faith our primary focus once again. And then Pastor Allen came and he talked to us about rest and the importance of rest and how we need to make sure not to lose focus on the importance of rest and how we can rest because God never does. And then last week we talked about how everyone, when it comes to the, <clears throat> when it comes to the kingdom of God, excuse me, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the family of God, everyone, everyone is invited. And that kind of set me up for the message that I was going to preach today, that I am going to preach today on the subject of love. Because guys, listen to me. If there's one thing that we need to make sure we're seeing with complete clarity moving forward in our faith, moving forward into a new year, it's the love of God. Because if we get this one wrong, listen to me, I believe this. If we get this one wrong, we get it wrong. So my message title today is going to be this, Let Love Lead. Now, I'm originally from the South. Any Southerners in here? Anybody else from the South? Let me hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're from the South, you're going to get this. When you mow your yard in the South, you don't just mow your yard. Like, you manicure your yard in the South. Like, it all comes down to, like, the right kind of fertilizer. I'm a little biased to the Pennington brand myself. Right amount of fertilizer, right amount of water. You got to mow it at the right length because if you mow it too short, you know, the sun's going to burn it. It's not going to look good. But then maybe what, what's the most important in all of this is the lines. 
right? You got to have straight lines. I kind of like the diagonal approach to it myself. Now, if you're from Colorado, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now because trying to grow grass in Colorado is trying to, it's like trying to play with a slinky in a one-story house. That's what it's like to play, yeah. <laughs> Last year was a rite of passage for my son, Jonathan. Uh, he came up to me and said, Dad, uh, I want to mow the yard. And I'm like, sweet, you know, this is, a, this is a proud moment for me as a father. And so I'm like, all right, let me show you how to do this. And so I'm like, you know, here's how you get it started. You got to hold down the lever and you pull the, pull the string. And I kind of gave him some guidance and then I kind of let him take off. And he takes off and listen to me. There was no method. <laughs> like he was all over the place. His lines didn't make sense at all. And I finally grabbed the mower out of his hands and I said, son, until you can mow a straight line, like you're done. <laughs> no, I, I actually did not do that. He actually did a great job. Do you know that for several decades, the church in America has operated like this in a lot of ways? Hey, follow these straight lines. Because if you don't, not only are you not a good Christian, but you're not even worthy of God's love. This is textbook legalism. And many of you, unfortunately, grew up in churches like this. And I think we all know several people who have probably given up on the church because of this type of behavioral management. And do you know that that straight line approach to church doesn't line up with the life of Jesus at all. Like when we see Jesus, when we read his gospels, which is just kind of like the bi biographies of Jesus, right? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we read those, we don't see Jesus drawing lines. We actually see him crossing them. Jesus crossed the line of religion, of rituals, like all the things that you're supposed to do so you can be in the presence of God. He crossed the line of reason when he walked out of a grave and he defeated death. He crossed the line of race by including everyone in the kingdom of God, not just the Jewish people, not just the Israelites. And speaking of race, this past week we celebrated a man who took his cues from Jesus and fought against the injustices of our day. And he had plenty of reasons to speak from a platform of anger and bitterness and even hate if he wanted to, but he chose a different platform because he knew that darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can do that, and hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Church, when we let love be our guide, when we let love lead us, it removes many of the lines that we all have a tendency to draw, lines that often create barriers to God's love. Now, yes, we make lines of distinction sometimes. Some of those will be important, but many of them aren't. Lines that create barriers to God's love, like rich and poor, like, hey, you stay on your side of the tracks, black and white. Hey, this is not for your kind here. Republican, Democrat, iPhone versus Android. Just kidding on that last one. We all need boundaries, and we all know that Android users aren't saved, so. <clears throat> Can I get an amen? I was with Yes. yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that we're still drawing lines in the church today. If I'm being honest with you today, I've probably drawn a few myself. And do you know what's so dangerous about these lines? Specifically lines of legalism? They become barriers. Barriers that actually keep people out of the church. These lines we draw end up becoming false boundaries that tell people who are far from God, hey, unless you behave like we want you to behave, you can't belong here. And historically speaking, this has kept people out of the church. It's caused people to leave the church. And even for those who say, listen to me, because some of you are going to be able to identify with this. Even for those who stay in those environments, they have to assume this posture of pretending because those environments aren't safe. 
Like, it's not safe to screw up in those environments. It's not safe to voice a doubt, a struggle that you may have. It's not safe to not be okay. I have heard horror stories of people who struggle with mental illness, who have attempted to go to a church leader, somebody in my position, to talk to them about this mental illness that they're struggling with, only to receive a bunch of spiritual rhetoric that makes them feel demeaned and diminished and devalued, which in many occasions destroys their ability to see and feel God's love when they needed, when they needed it the most. Friends, as we talk about God's love today, I want to make sure that we remember that there are enemies of God's love, and without a doubt, legalism, legalism is an enemy of love. This is why as a church we make statements like this all the time around here. It's okay to not be okay. Like we don't want you to stay there. We don't want you to live there. But it's okay not to be okay. And you can belong here before you believe. If you need to come here and struggle through some doubts and some maybe past church hurt that you're bringing in here with you, this is okay. This is a safe place where you can do that. Because this is a place where you can stop pretending. Because listen to us, most of us, most of us are like the rest of us. And these statements are incredibly intentional because they build a culture that leads legalism. It leads legalism out the door, which is where I will take it every time that I see it because legalism is an enemy of love. And Jesus made it abundantly clear that the mission of his church was to reach people far from God through the motivation of love. In John 3.16, very clear, right? For God so loved the world that... He gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. It was motivation, was the motivation of love, which is what caused God to send Jesus for us. In John chapter 13, Jesus says, hey, they will know you're my disciples by, how, uh, by your love for one another. In other words, love is our best demonstration for who we are and more importantly, whose we are. And in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, God, Father, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. In other words, friends, as much as we want people to see and to know the love of God that we have come to understand, one of the best ways that we can point their gaze in the direction of our Heavenly Father is how well we love one another, how well we're unified around love together. So let's ask some questions. What happens when we lose sight of this? What happens when we lose sight of love? What happens when we stop allowing love to lead us? Probably a lot more than any of us have ever paused to consider. And let's be honest, man. It's, like, it's a lot easier just to draw lines, isn't it? It's a lot easier. I mean, specifically, let's just talk about the church. It's, it's so much easier just to draw lines of personal preference and just push programs that appeal to us. And start entertaining and, and, you know, this consumeristic mentality, hey, let's just give you what you want and stop thinking about those that are outside of these doors, even though Jesus said, hey, I'll leave every single one of you and I'll go find that person that doesn't know me yet. It's so much easier just to draw lines. It's so much easier just to focus and play politics and allow politics to take root and play favorites instead of fighting for people on the fringes. And unfortunately, this has been the traje trajectory of many churches. And it's often these same churches that just become another statistic, one of those numbers of 3,000 churches that are closing their doors every single year in America. Just another statistic of a church that kind of lost their purpose, another church who has lost sight of love. I don't think any church kind of starts out and expects to arrive there, 
but so many end up there. And so, Trace, can I get in our face a little bit this morning and say, let's continue to be a church that's known for not the lines that we draw, but the lines that we're willing to cross. Can I get an amen? Let's keep letting love lead us. Let's get real. Because maybe you're here right now and you're thinking, I think I may draw lines, more lines than I've stopped to consider. Maybe I'm a bigger line drawer than I thought. And so if that's you this morning, like we don't want you to feel judged or condemned or anything like that. Let's just process through this together because I think probably all of us still draw lines that God is trying to erase. And so let me ask a few rhetorical questions and we'll just process through this together. What do you spend most of the time looking for? And if you're not sure how to think through that, then maybe this will help you. What do you notice the most? What do you notice the most? Do you see what other people have that you don't have and you're kind of stuck in this comparison trap, this comparison game, because that'll make you draw lines? Do you notice the flaws of others before you notice their uniqueness? Can you appreciate the differences that you have with others or do you just see what you don't like about those differences, leading you to make judgmental statements without first seeking out understanding? Several of you have at some point let me know that you really appreciate this place. And one of the things that we hear often of why you appreciate this is because when you came here, you actually felt seen. You felt like somebody noticed you. And we try to make a very intentional effort to do that. I'm out there every Sunday because I, I want everyone that comes here to feel seen, to feel noticed. And because we know that that's the case and so many people appreciate, appreciate that, we're going to elevate our greeting uh, here at Trace. And when we see new people come here from now on, we're going to come up to them and whisper in their ear, we see you. <laughs> it's going to be a... You guys appreciate that? <laughs> I've come to notice something in my own life, and I bet you can identify with it. We will see what we spend most of the time looking for. We're going to see what we spend most of the time looking for. So let me ask you a question. What do you, you want to see more of? What would you like to see more of? Do you want to see more hate? Do you want to see more division? Do you want to see more racism? You know what I think God wants us to see? People. Stay with me. I think how we see people is the beginning to loving them, or not. How we actually see people is the beginning of loving them. And so maybe before we see and point out their problems, maybe God wants us to stop and listen to their perspective, think about their potential, maybe even God's purpose for their life. I think this next generation sees this a lot more clearly than we do. I think there's a lot of hope in our next generation because they see a lot of the lines that even the church has drawn in the past historically, and they're wanting to break down those lines. I saw a video here recently of a group of young people who put together a dance by, with the song behind it of Waiting for the World to Change. I want you to watch it. Check this out. At the end of that, uh, the interviewers that were judging them asked the young man a question that's in, that was in gray. He said, hey, why did you choose to do this? Like, out of all the things you could have done, why did you choose to do this? And he said, we just noticed that there's way too much hatred around us. And we believe one small, kind of act, one small act of kindness can make love grow. Would you want that to be said of you? Man, Aaron, he makes love grow. Trace Church, they make love grow. Do you know what I want to see more of in 2020? I want to see more of God's love come out of me. 
I want to see more of God's love in me. I want to feel more of God's love in me. I want to see more of God's love come out of this church. But we need to remember, and I think this is a good point to kind of stop and land, because God's love is not what we think it is. It's not even what we say it is. God's love is defined by who he is. So let's take a moment and maybe be reminded of some of the attributes of God, maybe best described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when Paul is describing what love is. He says, hey, love, it's patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not dishonoring of others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I'd like to do something for you this morning, because if you go back to the verse that I began with this morning that we read, I told you to remember something, and it's, it's the fact that God is love. And we also know that Jesus is one with God, right? And so if God is love, then Jesus is love. And so maybe somebody needs to hear this differently this morning, so can I read it differently? Jesus is patient. He's kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. He won't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. Somebody really needs to hear this one. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs if you'll put your faith and trust in him. He does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with truth. Listen, he'll always protect. He'll always be trustworthy. He'll always bring hope. And he will always persevere because Jesus never, go ahead, Jesus will never fail you. Now I want to shift because I think this is a great opportunity for me to describe something more thoroughly that I think we need to describe. And so everybody say shift happens. Shift happens. Here we go. I want to be clear this morning that you don't hear what I'm not saying. Because what I'm not saying is that we need to affirm every belief or feeling out there, right? Which is where our culture seems to be wanting to take us. This world seems to have hijacked the word love to be just that, that we have to affirm and embrace everyone's opinions and everybody's feelings. And I actually don't believe that's love at all. I believe that's passivity. And Jesus didn't die for us to be a passive people. Let me remind you of what Paul says when he's writing to Timothy in his second letter. He said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. You see, God doesn't want us to be passive with his gospel. He wants us to be passionate with his gospel. He wants us to love everyone always, but without compromising what his love actually stands for. Here at Trace, we've learned that it's important that we remember that and that we're not defining love the way that we want to, but the way that God wants us to. And so we put together a small equation that goes like this. The fullness of truth plus the fullness of grace equal God's complete love. If you're new to Trace, this is where we get our name. Truth and grace put together stands for Trace. The fullness of truth plus the fullness of grace equal God's complete love. And if you ask me, this is incredibly important because what we are full of is what we're often led by. Can I say it again? What we're full of is what we're often led by. So again, love does not mean we affirm, embrace, and even endorse everything this culture says that we should. But it does mean that when it comes to leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go, listen to me, there are no lines. We love everyone always. In his book, uh, Bob Goff writes this in, in his book entitled Everyone Always. He says, if I'm honest, I only want to love the people who are like me. And if they're not like me, then at least the ones who are nice to me. But God did not put that qualifier on the people that he has called me to love. 
I think God wants us to start with the people that we don't get. And so maybe, maybe you need to practice loving a Republican or maybe you need to practice loving a Democrat. Maybe you need to practice loving a neighbor that you don't like or maybe someone from another religion. Maybe you need to practice loving a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, I'm just kidding. We all need boundaries. Trace, we are on mission. We're on mission. We don't have a mission statement. No, no, no. We're on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And when we actually live this out, you ready? When we actually live that statement out, we make love grow. I want to invite you to help me and to help us make love grow. Because when we don't, like when that isn't a part of our life and when we're not looking through a lens of love and instead we're using a lens of labeling others and that's the first way that we see people, let me show you what John says. Let me show you what happens to love. In 1 John chapter 3, he says, this, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our, believer, for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something but it, uh, about it but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. You see, our ability to see God, feel God, and experience his love in our lives is directly related to our willingness to sacrifice for others, to make ourselves available when we see a need to extend hope when life hurts. Because listen to me, love isn't love if it's not interruptible. Maybe that's your takeaway today. We've got a team member right now at Trace who's going through a living hell. And so tomorrow, we've decided that we want to make sure that we're representing what we preach. And so I'm canceling our staff meeting. I'm canceling our executive team meeting. I'm canceling our uh, team uh, workout that we do on Mondays. That was an easy one to cancel. And we're going to go over to their house, and we're going to spend several hours painting and doing repairs and just cleaning for them because love is interruptible. Guys, without love, as we're concluding this 2020 vision series, without love, we will lose sight of God, period. Without love, we will lose sight of God. And so let me ask you a question this morning. What's causing you to lose sight of God? Could it be that you've actually lost sight of others? If that's the case, let me circle back to something that we started with. Is it possible that you're drawing lines today that are keeping you from loving others, from seeing others the way that God wants you to see them, again, through a, a lens of love, not a lens of labeling them, which in turn is keeping you from seeing God? So what is your line? Your line could be busyness, it could be apathy, it could be selfishness, it could be your phone, it could be racism, it could be your opinions of others. To conclude this, um, I want to read to us one more passage, and this really is our takeaway today, if you ask me, and it's going to give us a really clear action step. I want to read to you from Mark's Gospel in chapter 8, and it's something that happens with Jesus, and I think it's something that we're, all of us are going to be able to take and walk away with. Here's what it says. They, being the disciples and Jesus, came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, you got to love that, when he had spit... Emily said she had a headache the other day. I offered it, but she, no, she didn't. No. <laughs> when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I, I see people, but 
but they look like trees walking around. Once more, everybody say once more. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly, 2020 vision. Many of us, listen to me, many of us along the way have made a decision, right? We bumped into Jesus, we put our faith and trust in him, and when we did that, like we started seeing some things differently, didn't we? We started seeing life differently, we started seeing people differently, we started to think about our life differently, and we, maybe we started loving differently. Hopefully that was the case for you. But then life, because life happens, doesn't it? Then life, then the divorce, the diagnosis, those doubts that started to creep in, and that one drunk night you wish you could get back. You see, several things have a tendency to cloud our vision. It could be your kids, it could be financial stress, maybe for you, you moved into the city here recently and you haven't been able to find any connections. And as life started to happen to us, we stopped seeing people. I mean, we still saw them, of course, but maybe they looked a lot more like trees walking around. We will see what we spend most of the time looking for. No matter how long you've been following Jesus today, I think many of us need to ask him this morning, listen to me, to touch our eyes once more. Jesus, would you touch our eyes once more? Because we're not seeing things the way he wants us to see them anymore. We're not seeing and looking through a lens of love. Maybe we're looking through a lens of different lines that we've drawn. Maybe we're looking through a lens of labeling others before we look through a lens of love. And so if you want to see more of God in your life, if you want to see more of God in your marriage, if you want to see more of God in your kids' lives, if you want to see more of God in this church, in our city, if you want to live on mission, to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go, to everyone always, it begins by letting love lead. Because without it, in the words of the Apostle Paul, without love, we're nothing. But with it, when we allow it, to lead us, I think we begin to see everything more clearly, kind of like 2020 vision. Let me pray for us. Father, there's a lot of things that probably skew how we see things, how we see life, how we look at people, how we love people, and I truly do believe that how we see people is the beginning to either loving them or not. And so what is the lens that we've been using? And so maybe that's something that you want to convict each of us of this morning. Maybe we've been looking through the, long, the wrong lens. Maybe we've been looking through a lens of what we don't like about people before we think about just their uniqueness, the way that you created them differently. And so God, as we continue to develop culture here at this church, God, I pray that we're a church that steps over lines a lot more than we draw them. And so Father, would you continue to partner with us and Help us to see clearly what our next individual step is. And maybe more than anything, God, we just need you to touch our eyes once more to help us to see the things, specifically people, the way that you want us to see them. We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. I'm gonna invite the band to go ahead and come up and I'm gonna lead us through a time of response. And for those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate the cross, to celebrate what Christ has done for us by giving up his very body uh, that was broken for us on the cross and thinking about his blood that was spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins. And we do that by going to one of these stations around the room where you see one of these four crosses. And this is for those of us that have put, put our faith and trust in Jesus. 
and we take a cracker that represents his body and we dip it in a cup of juice that represents his blood. And we remember that because of his sacrifice and him now living in us, like what we read in the beginning of our time together, the fact that he now lives in us, that now we're supposed to see things differently. And so I pray that this is a moment between you and God where he helps you to see that you've been looking maybe potentially through the wrong lens. You started looking at the wrong things. And this is a time for Jesus to touch your eyes once more, to help you to see the things and see life the way that he's always intended for you to see them. This is also an opportunity if you want to go back in the back and write down uh, a prayer request. I want you to do that and allow us to partner with you through the power of prayer. We would love the opportunity, really the privilege to be able to do that. This is also a time for those of you that have brought your offerings. We've got buckets on the tables if you want to go drop your offering there. We also have several ways to give. You can give through our app. Uh, you can give online. And for those of you that are partnering with us to grow in generosity, thank you so much for doing that. We truly do appreciate your faithfulness and your sacrifice there. So as I pray in just a moment and encourage you guys to respond, however you feel that God is leading you to respond, I'm going to ask these guys to lead us through a song. It's a song that's really been speaking to me here recently. It's called Waymaker. And um, even when we don't feel it, there's a verse in this song, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, God, we know you're working. You're working. So maybe that's a mantra that we need to have. I've asked these guys to put this in the rotation of a song that we can see, sing continuously around here for the next several weeks because I want this song to become an anthem for what our posture is in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And so can I just encourage you today, like as you get it, as you hear it, I'm just gonna ask you to go for it. Just one step removed from, com from being comfortable and just step into a deeper form of worship than maybe you have ever or in a long time. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll encourage you to respond. Father, this is an opportunity for you more than anything. It's an opportunity that we're giving you, that we need to give you more often, where we set everything else aside, and we say, God, we, we need to hear from you. God, we want your conviction. God, we want you to point out the things in our lives that are potentially leading us to drift, that are leading us away from your purpose for us. And so, God, we, we want to hear from you. God, we're seeking you in this moment. And as we sing this song, God, I do pray it becomes our anthem. That we remember that even though we can't see it sometimes, you're working. Even though we can't feel it sometimes, you're working. Because we know, after what we just read and after we were just taught, we know that your motive and your posture towards us is love. And God, we're so thankful for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can respond.